Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven Channel. My name is Trevor Mueller, and of course, with me is Kayla Olin. And Kayla, uh, you threw out a stat that almost brought me all the way back to high school. Uh, <laughs> the last time Washington beat uh, Stanford in Palo Alto. I was out of high school, but not by very many years. So, uh, whew. Tough task ahead. Uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm going to let you give that stat out in your initial take uh, of this matchup with Stanford. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things to take away from Washington and Stanford, two teams that do go toe to toe most of the time. The last winner, aside from last season of 2020, has been the home team since about 2000 and. 13, I think it was. Yep. No, 2012. 2012. Because Washington had not won in Palo Alto since 2012. I, you said 2007. 2007. 2007. Thank you. That's wild. Um, And Washington with Stanford last season did not get to see the field with their offense for the last seven minutes and 54 seconds, yeah. which Stanford did control. So both heartbreaking stats there ones that kind of make you nervous going into this week of, you know, being down there on the farm and Washington being in the state that they are in, even if they are coming off of a quote unquote win against the cat. <laughs> right. And we talked about that as well. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's probably the, the most uh, displeasing win uh, in recent memory for the Huskies. And I guess going back to Stanford, I mean, what a great matchup between two teams that were, you know, Stanford and Washington. Stanford got good before Washington did, but uh, they were the bully when Washington came up. And obviously we we've we were both at the 2016 game at Husky Stadium. But even before that, you think of I think it was 20, was it 2013 when uh, Bishop Sankey and Keith Price and Case uh, Williams uh, one on, it was a, it was a night game on ESPN and Bishop Sankey on fourth and one, right. As a quarter was going to end bust that big run. And then of course my, one of my favorite plays where I almost had a heart attack was when Case and <laughs> Williams caught it down the sideline and, uh, was running in and almost fumbled it. And, uh, I got to ask him about that uh, on the show a couple of years ago when he was on. And he said, that was the last time he ever wore a uh, arm sleeve he thought they looked cool but it almost cost him the touchdown to go ahead so uh just a really cool story so many great back and forth games uh i know it wasn't a loss but buddha baker's uh touchdown saving interception i think it was his freshman year was one of the coolest Uh, plays of his career yes and quick side note is that why you named your oldest casein is because (laughs) williams (laughs) No, no um uh, if you, you're uh, like nodding your head. Yes. <laughs> now is like the missus is listening through the door. <laughs> you know, who brought up the name case was actually Miranda, but, uh, the only other case. And I knew at the time was case and Williams. And you're I like, I mean, I think it's all right, but I guess I'm good with it. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So my son apparently is named after uh, one of my favorite wide receivers from the, from uh, university of Washington. One that almost gave you a heart attack back then. One that gives you a heart attack a little bit now. Nightly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, man, what a, what a wild matchup. Stanford has definitely been up and down this year. Obviously the height of their season is beating Oregon in overtime where they, they controlled the first half, but it seemed like Oregon figured them out, but they did just enough to get it to overtime and, uh, Oregon's offense, as we talked about pretty conservative, uh, waited, waited till the end and, and, was unable to make the play to beat Stanford, but also Stanford's taken some weird losses. Their two best wins on the season are USC getting rid of Clay Helton and then obviously Oregon. So yeah, what, uh, you know, looking at this matchup, um, what do you see offensively for Stanford? Stanford, while their quarterback is still trying to get his feet wet, kind of in the same position as, you know, Dylan Morris had four games under his belt, but he's still trying to figure out his rhythm and trying to figure out really the offense for Stanford. Right. I don't think that is considered much just because like you said, Stanford's been very up and down Mm -hmm. and he has a weird throw. He has a very, very weird throw. It's almost a little bit of a lobbed. He's kind Uh of off balance when he does throw. So it reminds me of like every single Wisconsin Badger quarterback. Yeah, it kind of actually reminds me of that one deep pass we did see by Sam Heward, just like a little bit of like a loft up there, kind of trying to make it a 50-50 ball all the time. Mm -hmm. But it still doesn't change the fact that he is along with 56 yards, 14 touchdowns, and three interceptions, which is much better odds than Washington going in. He's uh, 139 for 215, over 1,700 yards. He averages eight yards a throw. So he definitely is getting it figured out. However, it's really the run game and the receiving duo kind of that's really leading the Stanford Cardinal right now. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel Pete, that running back, he has 333 yards, two touchdowns. And then Austin Jones, somebody who had a historic career record game against Washington back in 2020, uh, he had 138 yards and two touchdowns and three receptions for 28 yards. And that's somebody else who's pretty dangerous for the Stanford Colonel on offense. And then you can look at the two receiving duos with Elijah Higgins and then Benjamin Y, somebody who has five touchdowns for both of them. And so that looks good too. It's a pretty balanced offense, which is kind of David Shaw's MO, even though their O-line quote unquote, is not supposed to be very good. Right. And, and it is, it is really funny because if you look at the averages, like, um, you were talking about uh, Tanner McKee and like 65% is, is pretty kind of down the line, down the middle. Uh, honestly, in the new age of quarterbacking, uh, you'd expect it into the seventies um, and maybe even a little bit higher, but uh, 64%. And I was looking back and I, I was thinking that he was really efficient against Oregon. And actually he was below his average at about 55% uh, completion percentage. But in the first half he was dominant he kept the team. Uh, he kept Stanford in front of the sticks. Uh, you know, they're, they're so good uh, forever since Harbaugh and Shaw of uh, staying in rhythm and using those big receivers and those big tight ends. And, um, you know, not – when I think Stanford, I don't think big play and uh, it, they just yeah. wear defenses down and that's a really tough matchup for Washington. Um, the, the encouraging I mean, the part, defense is used to staying on the field. So that you're not wrong. And if Washington's offense uh, kind of flipping to the other side, if they can't 
sustained drives. This could be a long day where even though Stanford averages less than a hundred yards a game, like Washington does um, Washington's defensive line. And I mean, their entire team has struggled to stop the run. And uh, it didn't even, it didn't matter if they weren't playing too high safeties. Um, we saw gaps missed. Um, uh, and now obviously with the news of Edifon Ulufusio being out for the rest of the season, uh, you know, you, there's, there's three guys that I think are going to see some time until one of them comes out as the number one guy. And that's MJ Tafisi, that's, um, Daniel Haimuli, and that's Carson Bruner. And I think they all bring different aspects that are that are impressive about their game uh i actually right now uh when it comes to big play i think daniel Haimuli is kind of that guy um but when i think of a really steady guy that is really good at sniffing out the run i go carson bruner and that's kind of the gamble that bob gregory is gonna have to kind of take are they gonna Mm -hmm. run are they gonna pass and it's a very very similar situation going into this game as Washington went into last season because Stanford's offensive line was the worst ranked offensive line in the conference. You know, you throw in Arizona who didn't win a single game, you know, come that time. And it still didn't matter. They Mm -hmm. were still the worst. And you look at this year and they have about 94.9 yards rushing a game right now is their average has had higher, has had lower. So take that with what you will, but they still find a way to get it done. And that's the exact same thing that happened last season. And Austin Jones, like I said earlier, just ran the ball down Washington's throat, you know, and losing Eddie, that's huge. Right. The other kids below him, I'm not saying they're any worse, but Eddie has the snaps. He has the experience. He has the leadership, something Mm. that the three that you mentioned just simply don't have. Right. And you're hoping that whoever just ends up being the starter there, uh, you just want to see somebody to power somebody down instead of being ridden for extra yards. Uh, So whoever is going to uh, uh, advance at the point of attack, I think is the guy that's going to end up staying there because we've seen way too many times a linebacker linebackers being dragged for a few extra yards. And uh, you know, you'd love to see that to stop Uh, on the other side of the ball though. Stanford is not the Stanford that we're used to, right? Hashtag party in the backfield from five (laughs) or six years ago with Cheyenne something or whatever his name was. And uh, some of those other uh, Solomon Thomas and some of those really, really good all decade type players for Stanford. This defense gives up points. Uh, this team gives up yards. Uh, they actually give up more points than they're averaging scoring. So that's kind of one thing that Washington can take to the bank. They are giving up over 200 yards on the ground. Uh, and if Washington can somehow figure out how to do something other than running straight up the middle with Sean McGrew, there could definitely be some holes if they, I don't know, try to keep the defense off balance. Um, so I think there's places to go there. They're averaging over 200 yards a game through the air and on the ground. So uh, there's 400 yards of offense op- uh, in an opportunity for Washington, and we'll see if they can capitalize on that. 
you look at how they only have 13 sacks, yeah. four interceptions. I think the big key though, is that in terms of fumbles, only right. having two forced fumbles on the season, right? one fumble recovery, that's a huge number. And I, and I don't want to be a Debbie down or anything like that, but with Washington's offense, not being productive against Arizona, mm-hmm. it makes you question a little bit, you know, even if they do give up all these yardages and all these points, can Washington actually do something with it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I guess to, to kind of uh, combine those, if you look at some of the defensive stats, the way that they're getting their sacks when they do get their sacks are primarily coming from blitzing linebackers. And uh, if you look Yikes. at it, yeah. <laughs> uh, up, Dylan. Uh, Ricky Mazan each have two apiece, And then Stefan, uh, Stefan Heron also has three. So those all three are linebackers. The scary thing is they can get home. The scarier part is Washington has really struggled in pass protection. So uh, something's got to give there. They're either going to go Arizona in the first half and get three sacks or Washington's going to be what Washington was in the second half. Dylan Morse is going to be sharp and they're going to be able to make chunk plays. What's nice for Washington though, is that Stanford for whatever reason for it being the program that it is can't fill seats. <laughs> and you know, how well are Washington fans going to travel? Who knows? It might be a fairly quiet stadium, right? but you know, that's mm-hmm. going to be helpful for sure. It's just still going to come down to, is it going to take losing to a team that hasn't won 18 games right. before you finally get your act together? Yeah. And, and, you know, being a seven thirty kick kind of going along with what you're saying, who knows how many people are going to be there. Exactly. Like you're, you know, you were saying earlier in the pick show, your library should be closed by halftime, <laughs> you know, if, knowing from experience, they never close. They're open 24 <laughs> seven. So I'm not sure if they will. It's going to be interesting, especially because, you know, David Shaw definitely has a upper hand on Jimmy Lake, just in terms of experience, kind of outwit, outplay, outlast, you know, sure. you want to make a survivor reference there. And yeah. that's basically what college football is. It's a survivor, you know, who's going to make it to the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that reference too. <laughs> um, you know, I like my reality TV <laughs> that you know, I actually was thinking Hamilton. That's from one of the songs as well. So you're kind of like hitting all, all the, buttons, Oh right yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the guns and ships. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, both of those, we need, uh, we need the general to come out and, uh, and execute a, a good game plan. And, and hopefully that starts <laughs> offensively. And, uh, I think, you know, looking at how Washington's offense can attack this defense, um, is on those short crossing routes, allowing Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, and Terrell Bynum uh, to get those yards after catch. Uh, and then, of course, what you were talking about, I, and I want you to share a little bit more about this, is get the tight ends involved. Um, when you know the blitz is coming, when it's in a situation where that is, fill the vacant hole and, and hit. And uh, Dylan Morris has to be sharp. He can't take a half off of where he's missing receivers by feet. Um, he's got to put it on them. But uh, I kind of want you to share a little bit of what what you found <laughs> out about your tight end stats. 
Yeah. I mean, really, when we just jump on this to record, you just got to press record right away because we have, <laughs> yeah, right. we have some of the best conversations off mic. And right. I think that's, it's like, okay, cool. Well, it's not a hot mic. So we're safe here. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, you know, we we're talking about the last season and this season, just Kate Otten in general and the situation he's in and him deciding to come back. And, Last season, when Washington was down 21 nothing against Utah, Kadon didn't get targeted yeah. in that first half. When he started getting looks, that's when Washington came back and won in that yeah. historic win. You look and how they were down 21 nothing against Stanford. Kadon did not get a single target until the third quarter. Yeah. And that's when they started to come back. Mm -hmm. And you look at this season when he was missing those two weeks didn't look good. Devin Culp stepped up big against Cal, right. but other than that, it didn't look good. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't really getting looks against Arizona and he didn't really get any looks against Michigan. And it was kind of just, why is that? You know, clearly the play caller could not be that dense to know that, you know, your best leading receiver from last season, you're going right. to want to get the ball in his hands, but Kate Otten is probably top three, maybe if not the best blocking tight end in the con in right. the country right now in the conference for sure country possibly at least going into this draft class of this season yeah. and because the offensive line is struggling so much mm -hmm. are they needing Kate Otten to be an extra lineman and do the blocking because we saw a lot of the games where it wasn't the blind side that Dylan Morris was getting hit from it was the right side and that's usually the right. side that Kate Otten lines up on right and so to be that extra help, is that why we're seeing less of him? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's like, do, will the offensive line give the quarterback time, whether it's Morris, Hewitt, or Thompson, to uh, deliver the ball to said tight ends? Uh, that's the question. I, I just, I have almost nightmares of Will Disley 2.0 where <laughs> he ends up going to the NFL and, and becoming even more of an offensive target uh, in the passing game. Uh, it's and, just uh, which foot do you want to shoot? Do you want to shoot your left right. or your right? Do you want to right. protect your quarterback or do you want him to feel most comfortable because Kate Otten is kind of like a Hunter Brown where you can throw it in his direction, he's going to bring it in, right. you know, which right. one you want to go for. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the other side of that is then you have one less person in in the routes. And we've seen a few times where Morris has been, uh, you know, it's a two-person route and Morris has time, but when there's only two people and there's five people in the uh in the in the defensive backfield, it's really hard for those guys to get open. Which so. is, you know, Kate Otten doesn't like he's not slow, but he doesn't have the wheels that Trail Bynum has right to right. get downfield, which it makes sense on those deeper passes why you want to keep Kate on home and to help block to buy and, time for trail get there. Right. And then and, you saw Devin Culp. He's not a blocking tight end, you know, <laughs> love Devin. He stepped up huge in Cal. He's not a blocking tight end. That's right. why we saw so much tight end usage against Cal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point. And uh, I guess the other side of that uh, as well is, um, you know, with, Oh man, I had a really good thought. Uh, You'll think of it at three in the morning. You can I know I'm it. really annoyed by that too. Cause, because it was, it Miranda, was I guess what I just thought of, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, we're just going to have to move on. Cause I cannot remember <laughs> what it is, but Devin uh, Colt, tight ends, tight, football, survivor, something. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I, I just keep thinking if I stammer long enough, it's going to come back, but uh, you know, maybe if it, I'll start screaming if it comes back, but um, what does Washington have to do defensively Kayla to uh, figure out how to stop this Stanford attack? Aside from what I've been saying the last seven weeks, right, right. you know, stop the run game, fix the run defense, uh-huh. yada, yada. It's a broken record with that one. Aside from that, you've got to pressure that quarterback. Yeah. You know, Tanner McKee, like you said, and how we touched on earlier, still new, still kind of learning. He doesn't really rush a lot. It's not like you're going to be facing an elusive quarterback like DTR, like Chase Garbers. If Mm -hmm. you get him on his back and if you make it third and long, which is something that Stanford struggles to do is to convert those third and long third downs. Mm -hmm. That sounded really bad. I don't know why I just said that, but you made me remember. No way. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Quick go, quick go, quick go. Okay. So uh, one of the problems with, you know, how, you know, when trying to having to keep the tight end in cover in uh, into pass protect is that when you're in obvious passing situations uh, and that, Washington's offense has been so predictable that uh, those two man routes are not going to work because it's always third down and nine because we've run up the middle twice. Yes. See, I'm, we got there. If Washington doesn't win, that's a win in its own. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really glad you remember that one because that was a very great point that you had there. So yeah, aside from run defense, pressuring Tanner McKee, making him uncomfortable, making it third and almost miserable. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to see, we talked again off air. <laughs> we got to start like recording. I, like I said. <laughs> that uh, this is a game where you can see some of those pass rushers with uh, Edifon Ulufusio being out in the, and ZTF being limited to, we'll see how many snaps he gets, uh, you know, between 15 to 20, you know, 20, if we're lucky. Um this is a game where maybe you can see Savelle Smalls um, start to show off why he was such a big recruit and be able to get to the quarterback. Uh, Braylon Trice as well, who had a lot of fanfare in the, in the fall camp. So plus a scoop and score. Plus, yeah, exactly. So I think that there's, there's definitely uh, there. The other thing that kind of makes me hopeful in this game is pro football focus uh, has rated Kyler and uh, Trent McDuffie as the two top corners in the pac 12, which should surprise nobody. Uh, but Stanford tries to, do, you know, their, their three-step drops and out. And I think with how good of ball skills those two have, plus your uh, safeties and Buki, I think you could see some balls going the other way and, and, uh, this is a crazy prediction, but maybe we see the first pick six of the year. Trevor, like, uh, steal my beating heart with that <laughs> statement. My goodness gracious. This is, this is why I love defensive football is like yeah. that sentence and that statement right there is just, yeah. Oof. <laughs> but I really wish you would have said that when we were doing our pick show, because I did pick, I mean, spoiler alert, sorry, pick Stanford by three. Had you said that, yeah. I might've been like, you know what? I, I agree with you. I you think know I almost changed what? my mind. If I pick Washington on this one and Stanford on the other one, I'm not wrong. Oh, like man, at that that's point. Perfect. And I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's taken me seven weeks to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. I'm it, 
I need to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess, hey, we're at predictions now. So Kayla, the floor is yours. What do you think? You'll never guess what I'm going to predict. <laughs> <laughs> no, just based off of kind of looking at how Washington has been, the adjustments that are not being made, key players missing how you touched on with Eddie and Richard Newton and still just figuring everything out. Stanford being on the up and up with a win against Oregon. Oh, weird loss, you know, elsewhere. It's very much in the air. However, Washington and Stanford, it doesn't look good down in the farm ever for Washington. It's their own little Arizona away from Arizona. <laughs> and with that being Arizona said, North. Yeah, the Northern Arizona, the Northern Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> they would Arizona fans, if they're listening, would be so offended that I just referred to Stanford <laughs> as that. But I gotta pick Stanford by three and to basically steal what you said in the pick show because I think you said what everybody was thinking that until Washington proves me wrong and shows me differently that they can be better, fix those mistakes and get their act together. Not just one quarter, not just the first drive, but all four quarters, you're not going to bet on them. Yeah. And with that being said, Stanford by three. Yeah. Um, Prove me wrong. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I almost convinced myself that uh, th- there's definitely some positives and, and yes. I'm going to stay true to what I did earlier. And I said that uh, Stanford would cover the two and a half, but um, I have, I I'm starting to believe uh, Trent and Kyler cannot do it on their own. Trent and Kyler can't do it on their own. I am. I love, I love Carson Bruner and I think he is fantastic against the run. I think he's going to be in the right gaps. Um, I also think that, um, Washington has to be able to stop the run before I can choose them to win a football game. And uh, Cooper McDonald is looking to be that next CTF, somebody who does get that pressure there. Right. I'm very happy with what I'm seeing from him. Yes, absolutely. Um, so every, the Homer in me really wants to pick Washington, uh, but the realist in me is going to go Stanford. Uh, I, I give the coaching advantage to Stanford uh, and therefore with two teams that uh, are Stanford has shown that they can play really well. And they've also thrown up some stinkers. I haven't seen Washington put a full game together yet. So until they do, I'm going to pick Stanford. And I hope if I'm wrong. Washington beat Stanford, no matter what the spread is, no matter how Washington wins, I will pick Washington going into Oregon. A hundred percent. Just to make it a little bit more interesting. A hundred percent. I think that if Washington plays a full game and they play well, uh, well against Stanford is winning by one point. The Stanford ha- is not on a, tw- a 19 game losing streak. So you're beating a legitimate team in the conference. If you play four quarters and Washington comes out on top for I the first time sh- in the farm in forever. Exactly. Uh, I think that that shows, gives me evidence that the ship is turning around. I have to see it before I believe it. Yes. And even if it does turn around, it doesn't mean that, you know, it is going to come back and dock where it left. So if Washington wins against Stanford, it's huge, but it doesn't mean anyone's job is safe. And I think 100%. that should, I think that should definitely be kind of like the motive for this coaching staff moving forward is yeah. every single coach should be nervous and they should game plan and prep for like, it's their last game and like their job depends on it. 
Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Well said. So uh, actually we're going to leave it right there. Cause that was a mic drop uh, yet again, yet again from Kayla Olin. <laughs> so for Trevor, <laughs> Mueller, <laughs> so for Trevor Mueller and Kayla Olin, go dogs. <laughs>